Amen. Thanks for being here tonight. Take your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, we're beginning a series we began last Wednesday night uh, called Words Matter. And as we study through the book of 2 Peter together, I hope this will be a helpful book as we think about not just our words to each other, that's not so much tonight, especially as God's wonderful words to us. And tonight we're focusing on verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1 that speak of God's great and precious words to us. And I'm so thankful for the promises of God that He's given to us. Let's begin by reading 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. The Bible says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be the partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Heavenly Father, as we look at these verses together tonight, two short verses but packed with tremendous truth to encourage us and to help us as we live our lives for you. I pray that you'd help us tonight, give us understanding, clarity of your word, and as we look to it, that we would live in obedience and in light of its truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. John Wesley, one of the great preachers of the 18th century, once said, I want to know one thing, the way to heaven. He said, God Himself has condescended to teach the way. He has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. I'm thankful for the Word of God and for all the truth that it gives to us. I'm thankful for God's truth that He has shown to us through His Word. The greatest need for any person in all the world is to be given the power to know God personally so that we could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It was demonstrated even today as some of the men were out sharing Christ with others today and had the opportunity to share Christ with many today, more than normal. God's timing, God's direction to lead a couple guys to several different homes and talk to three different men who prayed to accept Christ today, that's a blessing. Or to just happen upon the doorstep of somebody whose grandmother just passed away and she, her body was there in the house and all the family members had just gathered to be with her and, and to say, we, we were just coming by to tell people about the Lord and say, God must have sent you today. And to have an opportunity then to give the gospel to some 18 or so family members in the house. God knows what He's doing. Even this afternoon then to have the opportunity to share the gospel with another lady as well and to see her pray and, and confess Christ as well. What a blessing. But as we read verses 3 and 4 of 2 Peter we are hit right in verse 3 as he begins to talk about God's divine power and what it gives to us. I, I brought something up on the stage tonight to represent or to help us think about God's power. This is a light. It's a big light, kind of like what goes in the ceiling up here. And uh, Lord willing, we're looking to get some lights and replace some lights that don't work and things like that over the next few weeks. And so somebody brought this light fixture in as, as maybe something we could look at to put in here. And 
Um, this is an LED light. It puts out, it talks about all the lumens and things that it puts out. And yet, as it sits here, of course, as you can see, it's not emitting any light whatsoever. And of course, we know why. It's not connected to any power whatsoever. Now, hopefully, if it is a functioning light, if we connect it to power, the light will light up. We all know that. That's simple. Duh, of course. And yet, as we read in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, it speaks about God's divine power and what it gives to us. Often, we live according to our own strength, or we live according to what we can try to glean from other people, or from something we're reading, or from uh, exercise, or from eating right, and all those things have their place and have their value. But there's no greater power than the power that comes from God. The power to live as Christian believers ought to live is through the knowledge of God that is personal and intimate. In verse 3, as it speaks about God's power that's been given to us, it says, has given unto us all things then that pertain unto life and godliness. This power is absolutely vital to give us everything. Did you notice that? It says all things that pertain unto life and godliness. In other words, God through His Word has given us everything that we need for life and everything that we need for godliness or to live in a manner that is pleasing to God. Now, that sounds very simple, and it is. And yet often we want to add to God's Word or we want to relegate God's Word to a place of less importance in our life or less importance in the decisions that we make, and so thereby we are not existing or living in the power that comes from God to give us everything that we have for life and godliness. Point one in your notes is this, very simply, Christ's divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. But the question could be asked, where does this divine power come from? Well, look back at the text, verse number three. It says this power comes through, look at the second half of the verse, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So the power that comes from God comes as we know God. And again, as this, I feel like this theme has been repeated quite a bit the last few weeks, at least in my own study, and I know in some of the messages I've preached to you, knowing God isn't just an academic knowledge of His Word, even though we need to know what the Bible says. It's knowing God personally because we've experienced what it means to walk with Him in a personal relationship, to walk by faith, to see God at work and to do things. That gives us a knowledge of God. So divine power, letter A, comes through the knowledge of Christ. If you have no personal knowledge, personal relational knowledge of who Christ is, you will not ever experience the divine power that's necessary for life and godliness. If we want to experience God's power in our life, we need to know God better. How do we know God better? Well, it's living according to His Word. It's living in the truth that He's given to us. It's walking in obedience to what God says. It's trusting God at His Word and saying, God, if you've said it, I'm going to live it. I'm going to obey it. I'm going to believe it. And it's then and only then that we get to experience the power of God that is everything we need for life and 
godliness. Notice a little more about this power, though. It says, through the knowledge of Him, who is the Him, it's Jesus Christ, that hath called us to glory and to virtue. Christ, letter B, called us to this life by His own glory and His own virtue or His own goodness. What does this mean? Well, think of the glory of Christ. Well, He's, he's God in human flesh. He had no sin. He is worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all glory. He's called us into this. He's given us eternal life because of His glory, because of His sinlessness, because of, his, of who He is as God. But it's not just His glory, it's also His virtue, His goodness. Jesus loves you and me. He is good. He demonstrates His goodness to us through His love for us. So Christ called us to this life by His own glory and goodness. His glory is His sinlessness. His, he is God and His goodness is His love to us. For by grace you save through faith and that if not of works. It is the gift of God. Not, I'm sorry. For by grace you save through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Or John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, His love, His goodness, His Son, His glory, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So through salvation that Christ has given to us through His work on the cross because of His love for us, we then can grow in our knowledge, our personal relationship of who God is and what it's like to live with Him. And through that personal relationship, we have access to and can receive the power of God in our lives to give us all that we need for life and godliness. If I were to take this light fixture and plug it in, I'd have to get a wire. And most wires, you know, have, have, have three parts. You've got your red, your black, your white. We have our ground, uh, just the, the neutral there that makes sure that if there's any short that this is going to be grounded out. That's for safety, but you have your positive and your negative terminals. The power goes in one and out the other. It has to flow through that light for that light to be able to function. But if even part of that wire gets loose, it stops functioning. Yesterday afternoon when I got home in the evening, I walk in and there was some clothing sitting in the dryer in our garage, and the dryer door was open, and I thought, oh, I'll be a blessing to my wife. Look at me, this great husband, help with the laundry, close the door and start the dryer, and come in and say, honey, I, I helped do the laundry for you. You know, lots of work that I did, I push a button. But uh, little did I know in, in my desire to, you know, show my good husbandly abilities, as I pushed the button, the, the dryer kind of flickered on and flickered off, and Flickered on, flickered on. I thought, oh, great. Now, this is a bigger issue. Is there a problem with the dryer? Is the, is the board going bad? What's wrong with this thing? And so I thought, well, first thing is to check the power. So I pulled it out from the wall, and I tried to reach around to unplug the dryer. And, you know, there's that it's between the dryer and the washer, and there wasn't much space to crawl back. So I tried and tried and couldn't get back there very easily. So I said, Elijah, come here. So he slid through the little crack and went back in there and I said grab that plug pull it straight out of the wall he pulled it was really tight and he couldn't get it out so I said okay so I went over to the breakers on the wall and I
found the right breaker for the dryer and I turned it off to make sure that the power was completely off to the dryer and checked and sure enough, yes, the power was off. And then I went back to where the cord was going up in the back of the dryer and I kind of pulled on that a little bit and I felt it was loose, it was jiggling a little bit. And so I took the cover off the back of the dryer and looked in there and sure enough, you know, the dryer's, I don't know, how old is that dryer now? 12 years old, something like that. It's been around a little while. I think it's at least the age of our children, something like that. Sure enough, one of those wires had jiggled just a little bit loose, which is what was causing it to flicker on and off. Somebody's saying, yeah, hurry up with the story. We understand this. So pull out the screwdriver and tighten up the wires, put the cover back on, put the dryer back in place, turn the breaker on. Sure enough, guess what? I hit the button and the dryer worked. I was so thankful that I didn't have to go buy another dryer or do a much bigger fix. Simple things. When things aren't plugged into the power, they don't function properly. When things come unplugged, they don't function. And when we don't have the power that comes from God through a personal relationship with God, or we're not walking in the reality of that relationship, you may be saved here tonight, but if you're living for yourself, if you're living apart from God, if you're not walking in truth and in holiness, you don't get to experience what it's like to have the power of God working in your life. And when you have the power of God, you have, based on this verse, everything you need for life and godliness. That's pretty important power. Christ's divine power gives us everything we need for life and godliness. This relates right back to what I preached Sunday morning in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, where it says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire, here it is, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. How do we walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing? We have to be filled with the knowledge of His will. How do we know God's will? It's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As we study God's Word and as we live in obedience to it, we have an experiential knowledge of God's will. Therefore, we can walk worthy. The next verse, of course, talks about being strengthened with all might. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Kind of has the same idea of His power gives us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We want to please God in all things. We have to have a knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not just an academic head knowledge, but the knowledge that comes through experience, living in obedience. Number two on your notes, Christ's divine promises come as a result of His glory and His goodness. As Peter's writing this, wonderful these wonderful verses and next week you're going to get into that wonderful list of those virtues those christian virtues and it's a wonderful thing to study and to think about and how god works in our life and grows us and changes us and makes us to be godly as we should but in verse 4 we see these divine promises and where they come from it says this whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. These divine promises come as a result of, the previous verse, His glory and virtue, His glory and His goodness. 
Notice then is highlighted for us in verse 4 through the language, the value of the promises. He says these are exceeding great and precious promises. And he says these have been given unto us. The, the word here used for given is a, is a special word that talks about a gift. It's not just, well, I, I gave you something, I handed something. It's, it's the idea of I bestowed something upon you. There's great value to this gift. And we see that explained in even more detail as he talks about the precious promises. This is a gift that's been bestowed upon us, and it is a precious gift. It is a great gift. It is the promise of God. Why does God give us these promises? Because of His glory and because of His virtue. Because He's good. Because He loves us. Because He is God. And there's nobody other than God that could make the promises to you and to me that God makes to us. Only an all-powerful, always and everywhere present God could say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Only a God who has all knowledge can say, I know the plans that I have for you, not to harm you, but to help you and to give you hope and a future. Only a great God could make the promises that He makes to us and not just make them, but keep them. And God always keeps His promises. He says these promises, what happens? He says that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. What does it mean to be a partaker of the divine nature? Well, the divine nature is God. And to be a partaker of the divine nature is the idea of partnering with God or in the sense of we become children of God. How does God, an almighty God, make us His child? Well, through those great promises that by grace we are saved through faith. That if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Because in and of ourselves, we could never be partakers of His divine nature. Why? Because He's God. He's holy. We are not. So how are we going to ever get to God? Well, it's through His wonderful promises that He demonstrated to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, when He came to die for our sin. But He says He makes us to be partakers of His divine nature, to be able to fellowship with God. And you know that fellowship with God, while we, I think as a believer, we often think of that as something that happens in heaven, because in heaven we'll fellowship with Him forever, we'll be able to see Him, we'll be able to walk with Him and talk with Him and, and have that, you know, our faith will become sight, as the Bible says. But that fellowship with God doesn't have to wait till heaven to begin. That fellowship with God, this being a partaker of the divine nature, is something that can happen in this life. We can pray to our Almighty God. We can experience His work in our life as we live in obedience to His Word and see God direct our steps. I love those verses in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. That's a great precious promise that comes from God. And we get to experience what it's like to 
be a partaker in, a participant in the divine nature, that God is there directing our path, leading us where we are to go, whether it's being at the doorstep at the right time, whether it's being in a position where God gives us a chance to minister to somebody else, whether it's God supplying a need that only God could have supplied in just the right way, in just the right time, in just the right place, doing something that only God could do. Become a partaker of His divine nature. We see the great value of these promises. That's letter A in your notes. That they are given, that they are precious, and then we see the purpose of the promises, the purpose to participate in the divine nature, to become children of God, to be saved, a new creation. I love the verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How do, how do things become new? How do we become partakers of the divine nature? It's through His exceeding great and precious promises that He's bestowed upon us, that He's given to us, not because we deserved them, but through His glory and virtue given to us by Christ Jesus. We see the final two purposes here of these wonderful, divine, great, exceeding great and precious promises at the end of verse 4. He says, Having escaped the corruption that is in the world, through lust. When we partake of His great promises to us, when we experience that in our life, when we become partakers of His godliness, He says we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. What's corruption? Well, it's anything that's twisted. It's things that are rotten. It's things that are not good. It's, it's death. It's stink. It's rot. It's awful things. Corruption in, in Scripture often speaks of sin and of death. But he says, as we've received His promises that God has given to us, as we become partakers of the divine nature, we escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. I see victory over sin and victory over death. A lot more could be said about that. But it's wonderful to know that living with the Lord and walking with Him, there is victory over sin. Because we're all sinners. We still mess up. We're human beings, right? We say those kinds of things. Well, I'm only human. Not perfect. Welcome to the club, right? But we can have victory over sin as we live according to God's Word. Now, we talked about, I talked about with somebody earlier today. Ultimate victory over sin will come someday when we're in heaven with Jesus Christ. We're still going to deal with the effects of sin in this world. Because we still have a flesh. We still have that old man that we put away, that we're supposed to put to death, but we're still in this flesh. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am, he says. But we can also have, take great confidence in God's promises to us. And we can live in the power, the divine power that comes from Him as we grow in our knowledge of Him and continue to walk worthy in obedience to Him. Some wonderful, wonderful, great and precious words. Some simple thoughts. So, takeaway, how do, how do we live? Well, 
first of all, make sure that as we're walking with the Lord, that we're not allowing sin, corruption, right, the, the cares of this world to get in front of our relationship with God. Because if I'm doing what I want to do as opposed to what God tells me to do, or if I've allowed something in my life and I've not asked God to forgive me of it or forgiven someone else for what they've done, I am not going to experience the power of God in my life like I could or I should. So make sure I'm right with God so that I am growing in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. I, I have that relationship with Him. A second important note is that I'm growing in my knowledge of God's Word so that I know what God's promises are to me. It's hard to live in the strength of His promises to you when you don't even know what they are. So make sure you're spending time in God's Word and being reminded. Even if you say, well, I've read that before. Keep reading it unless you're just way smarter than me, and you probably are. But you can't remember it all. And we need to be constantly reminded of what God's Word says and, and how to live it in our lives and God's great promises to us. So be growing in your knowledge of God's Word, spending time studying that. A third thing I would say is as you face difficult times in life, because all of us, if we're honest, would have to say, I, I'm not going through my life and it's just like, boy, it's just perfect. You know, I've reached this higher plane, you know, and... Sometimes we sing about that in the song, Higher Ground, and, you know, it's, it's a nice thought, but if we're honest, we're not always on that higher plane, are we? Sometimes we, we fall, sometimes we fail, sometimes we struggle. That when we get to those positions and places in our life, we come back to God's Word and remind ourselves of who God is and what He's done for us and know that we can experience victory over sin, victory over death, that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And then the final thing I would challenge you to take away from tonight is this. When the things in this world, you know, and philosophy and, and other people asking questions or you're struggling in your own mind trying to wrestle around, well, how do I deal with this situation? Or, or what am I supposed to do with this problem that's now come up? You know, how am I supposed to deal with this family situation, this financial problem? How am I supposed to you know, handle what's going on in the government or whatever it is. Remember, God's given us everything that we need to be able to have life and godliness. And He's given us to that, or given us those things through the knowledge of God. So when you come to those places where you feel like, I just don't know where to turn, you have the answers right here. And don't be afraid to start digging and asking God to give you that wisdom to be able to dig those out. God, I need help raising my kids. God, I need help with my husband. I need help with my wife. God, I need help at work. I need help with this. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who hath called us through His glory and virtue. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you take just these simple thoughts, but help us think because I believe these things are profound. That if we can grasp onto this truth, it will help us in a significant way as we walk in our daily lives.
pray that you'd help those who may have areas of difficulty in their life tonight to look to you for the answer. Lord, I know in my own life, walking with God, when things are good, seems very natural and easy. And yet when life gets busy or when hard things come, it, sometimes that's one of the first areas to go. Lord, help me to walk with you as I should. Help each one in our church to do the same, that we might walk worthy, that we may experience the great, precious words and promises of our Heavenly Father. Thank you for Jesus. It's in His name that I pray. Amen. Amen.